That's good. No, that's fine. Happy to hold on. Reading John 5, 1 to 30, page 753 in the Church Bibles. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralysed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, My father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son... And shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honour the Son just as they honour the Father. Whoever does not honour the Son does not honour the Father who sent him. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. By myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me.
Well, good day, everyone. Good morning. Good to be with you. My name's Scott. Uh, I want to start by telling you, if you've got an outline, uh, if, if you're a note taker and you take notes in the outline in here, the outline in here is not wrong. I've just changed it. So if you're a note taker, um, that's, that's what the outline will look like a little more than actually what's in there. Um, so I'll leave that on the screen for you to uh, get that down. You've got a couple of moments. One, two, three. Okay. <clears throat> Have you ever had one of those moments where you completely miss what is going on around you? It can be kind of embarrassing, isn't it? Especially it can be embarrassing if you do this online. Because when you do it online, it's there for everybody across the whole world to see. Take a look at some of these true examples uh, from Facebook. This person hasn't quite figured out how elevators work. You can't see it? I saw the dumbest elevator today. It had a button for the floor I was already on. Canadians think the Titanic was a real event and not just a movie. How dumb can you be? Do you, do you think an American wrote that? No Americans in the room, is there? No, good. Uh, This person can't imagine a world without Google Maps. They say, how did people know what roads to take before Google Maps was made? Their friend responds, they used maps. He comes back, what? No, I said, before Google Maps. (laughs) This was my favourite, though. This is an exchange between two friends who seem to be travelling When did you go to Germany, says friend one. Friend two replies, I left on June 10th and I leave Frankenthal tomorrow to go to Austria. Friend one comes back excitedly. You're going to Australia too? Take pictures in Sydney. (laughs) Friend two responds, ha 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 ha, no, Austria. Friend one, it's spelled Australia. Poor old friend one, huh? They got no idea. It can be funny when someone misses what's going on. It's funny until they miss something that's really important. Because there are times that if you miss something, well, the consequences can be disastrous. If I go to my doctor, I want to make sure they know what happened when they were at med school. If I bring an electrician into my house, I want them to know how to wire my house properly. Because if they don't, if they miss that day in class, well, the consequences can be pretty bad for me. In the passage we just read, people miss something. They miss something that's vital. Uh, Not just something that's vital, but someone who's vital. They miss Jesus. And as we look onto these things that happened all those years ago, We too today get to meet Jesus right here. In a way, today he'll be standing in front of us. And the question is, have we missed him? Will we miss him today? See, this is big stuff actually. 
And I want to say up front that Jesus will be very confronting today. If you came along to church hoping for just something that's light and breezy, well, today is the wrong day. I'm sorry. Because Jesus is going to say some things today that are very un-PC. That, that, that they'll make us feel uncomfortable. Are you ready to go through that now? Let's pray and ask for God to be with us as we do this. Let's pray together. Our Father, we want to say up front, thank you for Jesus. And help us today as we hear him say some confronting things. Father, in those moments where we feel discomfort, please help us to know how to understand this truth that you've spoken to us. And in those moments where we feel like we're confronted, Father, please help us not just to pass over that, but work in us by your Spirit to be those who truly trust in Jesus, knowing properly who he is. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, did you notice when we read the Bible just now, uh, it was a very tense situation going on. There's a standoff happening and the consequences could be drastic. Have a look again at verse 18. For this reason they, that is the Jewish leaders, for this reason they tried all the more to kill him, Jesus. Something's prompted these Jewish leaders to get really wound up. They're baying for the death penalty. So what is it? Our first point today is the accusation. The accusation that he did it on the Sabbath. The story begins with Jesus healing a guy. He, he met a guy, a man who was disabled. And look at verse 8. Uh, Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. But here's the clincher. It comes at the next bit. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. See, for the Jews, the Sabbath was and still is a very important day. Uh, my family has been in Adelaide for over a year now, but I still find Sunday mornings a bit strange. See, on the way to church, we drive past TTP, and the car park is deserted. Nobody's there. It's like a ghost town. The shops are all shut. And I find it weird because we just came from Sydney, and in Sydney, everything's open all the time. You know, Tuesday night, Thursday afternoon, Sunday morning, it's always open all the time. But down here, that's not quite the case, is it? And yet Adelaide is nothing compared to, to, to Jerusalem, to, the, to where the Jews lived. For them, the Sabbath is a day where there's no work. It's not even just that you can't work up to midday. It's there's no work on the whole day. Nothing. No shops. At home, no watering the garden. No cooking. And this comes, not because the government thinks it's a good idea, this comes on the authority of God himself. It's a sacred day given by God. And here's a man, Jesus. And he's teaching another man, he's telling another man to pick up his mat and walk. That is work. And as bad as it is that this healed man is carrying his mat, far worse the man who told him, the teacher who told him to pick it up and walk. 
because some things are just sacred. We know this too in Australia. Uh, Last year, around Anzac Day, two war memorials were vandalised, one in Victoria, one in New South Wales. And in both cases, there wasn't just disbelief at this kind of thing. There was outrage. Here's what one RSL president had to say. To desecrate one of our memorials, particularly World War I, it's incredible. It's just unbelievable. Somebody has decided that they want to go against everything we and our community believe in. Because in Australia, Anzac Day and, and the diggers, that's sacred. That's the kind of sentiment that the Jewish leaders would be feeling towards Jesus. This is our sacred day. Although, as much as we might feel it about those war memorials, it's even bigger for the Jews. Because again, the Sabbath was given to them by God. And here is Jesus. All he wants to do is desecrate this special sacred day. And they confront Jesus with this. And look at Jesus' response in verse 16. In his defense, Jesus said to them, My father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. See, the Jews knew that God was always at work. He didn't rest on the Sabbath. After all, he has to sustain the world. He gives us life and breath and everything. And if he stopped, if he stopped working, even for a moment, the whole universe would just collapse in on itself. The Sabbath was a rest for, not for God, but for people. And what's Jesus saying here? He's saying the same goes for me. My father's working, so I'm working too. Which is a huge thing. Jesus is saying to these Jewish leaders, I'm not in the same category as you. You're just a human. I'm in the category of God. So like my father, I will work. And that's how we got to verse 18. For this very reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. That's their accusation. It's blasphemy. Here is a man saying he is God. I wonder at this point, what do you make of Jesus? Because there can be all sorts of ideas about Jesus out there, isn't there? Jesus, the cool hippie. Jesus, the great moral teacher. Jesus, the bigot. Jesus, the most misunderstood man in history. All these ideas out there. But did he hear what Jesus said about himself? He's not claiming to be any of these. He's claiming something much bigger. He says, I am your God. Which actually puts him in a different category to every other religious leader. You ever thought about that? Muhammad, he never claimed to be God. He was just one of the prophets. Perhaps the greatest prophet, but just one of them. Uh, Buddha. Buddha didn't claim to be God. He was just an enlightened man. 
L. Ron Hubbard, he was not God. He was just a science fiction writer. And so he created his own religion. But Jesus is saying something completely different. So the question for all of us today is, what do you say about Jesus? Really, I think there's only two options here. We can take Jesus at his word. Jesus says he's God, and we can say, yes, actually, Jesus, you are God. The other thing we can do is say, actually, no, you're not. You're not God, and so you're nothing. But either way, we can't try and make up our own version and sit in the middle somehow. Jesus doesn't leave us room to do that. Either he's God or he's nothing. There's no middle room. There's no middle ground. So what do you say about Jesus? We have a tense situation brewing here. The Jewish leaders are convinced the sacred is being desecrated by this man, Jesus. And their answer? Kill him. That's what you do with someone who's a blasphemer. And so how does Jesus respond to all of this? Does he try and quell the situation? Maybe soften his language a little bit so as not to offend them. Maybe tell a joke to lighten the mood. Maybe just turn, turn away, and walk, walk down the street and live to fight another day. Is that what Jesus... No. No, no. Instead, Jesus doubles down. He's just said, I am God. And now he outlines how he does the work of God. That's the second point. The truth. The Son who is equal with the Father. He starts by showing us he's not in competition with the Father. This is not two gods kind of battling it out to see who's the stronger God today and, well, who knows who'll be the stronger God tomorrow. This is the Son doing what the Father does. Look at verse 19. Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Uh, Back in Jesus' day, sons did what their fathers did for work. Sons took up their father's line of business. So if your dad was the local shoemaker, you became the local shoemaker. There wasn't these many and varied career paths you could walk down. Uh, Your dad was a tradie, and you took an apprenticeship under him. Which would mean for me, I would have become a cleaner and a handyman. I don't know if you know me, but me being a handyman is not a great idea. Uh, If we go on a road trip and our car bursts a tyre, there's only one person in our family who'll know how to fix it, and it's not me. The son took up their father's line of work, and that's the kind of language that Jesus is using here. He's the son, and the father shows him the work that he does. And that's then the work that Jesus goes on and does. They're not in competition with one another. They work together. The son depending on the father. The father guiding the son, giving him work to do. Doing the same thing together. And so what is that work that they do? There could have been lots of things that said here. But Jesus highlights really just two things for us. The first is they both give life. 
Verse 21, For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Jesus is a life giver. That's what the Father does. That's what Jesus does. He gives us life and breath now, and he says he can give us life that lasts even beyond death in the physical world here. In fact, that's that's partly what the healing at the pool was all about. We read the healing story before. Um, He was a man who, who was alive, and yet, as a, man, as, a, as a man with a disability in that day, he did it tough. There's no government support, no Centrelink, no NDIS. Life was hard. It meant begging and barely scraping by. But Jesus steps in and he restores full life to this man. The miracle demonstrates what Jesus is on about. Jesus is on about giving life. That's the work that the Father does, and so that's the work that the Son does. They are life givers. They both give life, and they both judge. Verse 22, Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son. Part of Jesus' work is to be our judge. Now, it's not a very trendy idea these days. Uh, We don't like to talk about judgment. In fact, we'll say to one another, Don't you judge me. But Jesus says he is a judge. And that's actually a good thing. Because justice is a good thing, isn't it? And Jesus is actually a good judge. So look at verse 30. By myself, Jesus says, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. For I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. Again, it's the son relying on the father as he judges. He listens to what the father says. And the father knows All the mitigating circumstances, the Father knows them. All the the hidden wrongs and the injustices in our world, the Father knows them. And he tells these things to the Son. And the Son judges. Judges not to please people as if he could ever be bribed, but judges to please the Father. The Father and the Son working together to give life and to make judgment good judgment to bring justice. And what's the purpose of all of this? What's the end? Verse 23. The end is that the purpose is that all may honour the Son, just as they honour the Father. Whoever doesn't honour the Son does not honour the Father who sent him. Honour the Son. So how are you going at honouring Jesus? Showing him the respect and reverence that's right. Because now we know this is actually what Jesus wants. This is what the Father wants for us. To not honour the Son is to not honour the Father. Do you want to honour God? Then treat Jesus right. Give Jesus the respect, the admiration he deserves. In fact, this shows us why it's wrong to kind of make up your own version of what Jesus is on about. Before I said, with Jesus, you've either got God or you've got nothing, a nobody. There's no middle ground to take with Jesus. And the reason is because he's doing the work that the Father gives him to do. If the Father gives Jesus work to do, and we look on and we go, yeah, no, he's just a good teacher, 
Well, that's dishonoring the Father who gave him this work, this work that shows he is the Son, the Son who is equal with the Father. So let me ask you again, how are you going at honoring Jesus? Many of us here today would be Christians. Ah. So we'd hear this question, and it can be something that we could easily pass over. You think to yourself, I'm a Christian, so by definition I honor Jesus, don't I? But in life, it's just so easy to set and forget, isn't it? So easy to set and forget. To start your thing and then just keep going as if nothing has changed. To become a Christian and then just over time, do, you, do things your own way. Set and forget. You confess Jesus with your lips. Yes, I'm a, I'm a Christian. But, but do I honor him with my life? Do I honor him with my time? Do I honor him with my talents and gifts? Do I honor him with my treasure, my money? Has that happened to you? How are you going with honoring Jesus? Again, we're in a tense situation. Jesus is working on the sacred day. The Jewish leaders want to kill him, but Jesus doubles down on his claim, I am your God. And then Jesus does something even more risky. Jesus now goes on the attack. He says to these leaders, you should already know me. You should already see that I am the Son who is equal with the Father. And that's the third point today. The evidence you should have known. Jesus calls three kind of witnesses to back him up, to back his claims. We're not going to look at them, but the first two witnesses are John the Baptist and the works that Jesus did. You can read about them in verse 31 to 36. But today I want to focus on the third witness. The third witness. We see the third witness in verse 37. And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. Here is the most compelling piece of evidence you could have on your side. God the Father speaking on your behalf. But what's the problem with this? Well, just like with John the Baptist and just like with Jesus' works, these Jewish leaders refuse to listen. They refuse to listen even to God the Father. And so you see Jesus really go on the attack in verse 37. Take a look. You've never seen his voice. Uh, sorry, you've never heard his voice nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me. And to have life. This is heavy, isn't it? Jesus is saying there's a willingness to their unbelief. A willingness to these Jewish leaders' unbelief. They are refusing to come to him. And then he goes even further. Verse verse 41. I don't accept glory from human beings, but I know you. I know that you do not have the love of God in your hearts. That is a scathing assessment of this Jewish leadership. You might be thinking to yourself, well, Jesus is being a bit harsh here, isn't he? 
And you're right in one sense. This is a harsh word. And yet, I I, want to remind us, Jesus' most scathing remarks, they're, they're never directed at the person who's mourning over their own moral failure. They're never directed at the one who's, who's asking questions, truly seeking to find out some answers. Jesus' most scathing remarks are not directed at those who are trying to figure out what life looks like when you follow Jesus. Harsh words like this are directed at those who are so sure they think who, they know who Jesus is. They're so sure they've understood Jesus but yet they've completely missed him altogether. These harsh words, they they show us what a big deal it is. How vital it is not to miss who Jesus is. Here is the son, the son who should be honoured like the father. And yet the Jewish leaders completely miss it. They're opening their Bibles, but they're not seeing what's standing in front of them. And doesn't that sound a little bit familiar? In fact, we've already heard this. This happened with the healing of the man. Here he was. He experienced Jesus. He experienced the miraculous healing of Jesus in his own body. And what does he turn around and do? The first first moment he gets, he turns around and dobs Jesus into the leaders. He's completely missed the one who's standing right there in front of him. And so it begs the question for us, like the man who was healed, like the Jewish leaders who opened up their Bibles, who had a form of spirituality and yet missed Jesus. What about us? Have we missed Jesus too? In all our spiritual searchings and in all of our spiritual experiences, have we missed the one who stands before us today? Have we missed Jesus? This is not just another person, not just another religious figure, it can come and go. This is, this is the Son. The Son who is equal with the Father. And this is something we can be sure about, friends. We can be sure because just like Jesus pointed to the witnesses back then, we too have that, those same witnesses. In fact, we have that big gun witness. We have God the Father speaking to us today still because we too have the words of God in Scripture for us. The Bible. Look again at what Jesus says, verse 38. It's when the word dwells in us. That's when we'll believe in the one sent by the Father. Again, verse 39. It's, that's, wrong, that's got the wrong verse reference at the top there. But in verse 39, we have the scriptures. And in the scriptures, they tell us about Jesus. And by them, we can know how to come and have life. You have the Bible, which is the word of God the Father to you. It tells you who Jesus is. It tells you to trust Jesus. It tells you to come to him. Friends, you have all the evidence you need. That might be an unsatisfying answer for some. See, basically I'm saying that you can be sure about Jesus because the Bible tells you about Jesus. And you go to the Bible because Jesus tells you about the Bible. You go to the Bible because Jesus says, you go to Jesus because the Bible says. It sounds a bit like a circular logic. But really, it's actually about final authority. Jesus is saying that the Bible is the final authority because the Bible is the Father's word to you. 
And what could carry more authority than God the Father speaking to you? In the end, everyone has a final authority. Yours might be science, or might be logical reasoning, or historical facts, or your own experience. We all have one. But Jesus is saying, if you want to be sure about me, listen to what the Father says about me. That's your final authority. Sure, go ahead and test it with science, see if it fits with your experience, but but never let those things be your final authority. That place belongs to the Father who sent the Son and who bore witness about the Son, who told us about the Son. So, if you're here today and you're just unsure about Jesus, you don't know what to make of him, well, the best thing to do is actually read the Bible. There you'll hear page after page what the Father says about the Son. There you'll meet the Son, the Son who's equal with the Father. Here's a great resource to help you do that. It's called the Word One-to-One. It's just uh, the, book, a book, the, the book in the Bible that we're reading, the book of John. And it's just easily accessible. It's got some notes on the side to help you as you go through. And it's put together like this so you can read it with someone else. As you read together, you can ask hard questions and you'll meet Jesus together there. Are you someone who's just not sure about Jesus yet? Why not give this a try? Tell us. Uh, uh, just let us know in, on the comment card here. Write, write down a comment. Let us know you're keen. Tear it off. Put it in the bags at the end. We'll make sure it happens with you, for you. Or just ask a friend who's sitting beside you here today. Ask a friend to read this through this with you. But make sure you don't miss Jesus. Whatever you do, friends, make sure you do not miss Jesus. After all, he's too good to miss, isn't he? Here's the one who brings justice, real justice. He is the one who gives life, life now and life beyond even death. Do you know the Son? If you do know the Son, friends, haven't we got to stick with him? There is no one better to stick with than Jesus. Don't miss the Son. Stick with him. Let me pray for us. Our God and Father, We thank you for Jesus. Thank you so much that he came and worked, that he lived among us, and we can see him because you've testified about him. You've told us about him in the words of the Bible. Father, keep us from missing him, we pray. Keep us from having that unwillingness to come to him, Father, help us look constantly at what you say about the Son so that we might know him and love him. Father, we do pray that that would shower our lives knowing Jesus through your word to us. And Father, we do pray that would be the constant heartbeat of our church as well. Keep us knowing Jesus, we pray, in his name. Amen.